1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today is a very powerful guest that I have on. It's Amy Hutton. Amy is a literally a true survivor. She has come through so many challenges in her life, and she has used that and, and harnessed that power to make a difference in the lives of tweens and teen girls. And I absolutely love this. She's a girls empowerment leader to the teens and the tweens to help them to find their real brave selves, full of happiness, courage and confidence. She really has put this together, this program where she is working with the leaders who are working with the teens. You know, in these teen years when they are facing bullying, cyberbullying, all of these things, let alone where do I fit in? Who am I? Who am I supposed to be? What do I listen to? It's really hard to understand what our real brave self would be because we're so influenced by everything else and we're really just coming into who we are. So Amy breaks down these walls to help them to learn how to live their real brave self. And the reason that she can do that is because she's so crazy real and vulnerable during this episode that I just am so proud of her for doing that because that really helps you to see what is possible. So Amy talks about breaking down the walls to live my brave self. And honestly, what it comes down to is learning how to put yourself first, to ask for help, to speak your truth, and to put those boundaries in place. That is literally everything that this show is about and everything that I fully believe in and support. So I'm super proud of Amy for sharing everything that she does in this episode, how real and raw she is, and how she is using her story. And what she has grown through to make a difference, to impact those girls through this stage, through these really challenging stages of life. So I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. And I'm so proud of you, Amy, for how brave and real you are and show up because it's impacting more people than you even know. Enjoy the show. So happy to have you here today. Welcome, Amy. Hello, Marcia. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been. It is. It's been. It's been a journey. It's been like we have. We have so many similar people. We don't. We haven't met in person. And this is the beautiful thing about business, right? About really this whole personal development business is that a lot of times we don't actually meet the people
2: in person. A lot of it's online. True. Very true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're going to start with. Let's talk about. I'm going to ask you about five questions, and so that people can get to know who you are and where you are and all that. Is that sound kind of good? Yes. yes. Awesome. Where are you from?
2: This is a fun question because I actually born in Ottawa, Ontario, Yeah, uh, grew up near Toronto in Pickering. Now I live in Calgary, Alberta, and I moved here in 2000. So you moved
1: there in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. And you just never went back. You're just happy with...
2: Yeah. I haven't come home or I haven't gone back to Ontario. I like it here. Yeah. The mountains? Are you close to the mountains? Uh, where I live, I'm about an hour and a half, maybe an hour from the mountains. Nice. Um, so I will say, though, I do miss the lakes of Ontario.
1: Yes. I've yeah. heard that many times by people who have moved out west is that they miss, like if you're not in BC, if you're in Calgary, that you miss the waters.
2: Yeah, I miss the water, but I like the mountains. So, you know, can
1: trade out <laughs> unless we're all going to Vancouver, we're gonna, we're gonna get one or the other. Yeah, yeah, totally understand. Do you have a favorite book or a book that has impacted you?
2: Oh, I have different favorite books. Um, I'm going to go on a different spin though. And one book that I really like, and it's not personal development, it's not business whatsoever. And it's a comedy book and it's called who let, when do you let the animals out? And it's a compilation of little tidbits, little stories, true stories about life, in banff alberta and the tourists that come and ask questions example when do you let the animals out of uh, in in the park like when do you let them out when do you and it's, just, it's funny and i can pick it up and just read it whenever i need a bit of a laugh or to pick me up and it's it's fun yeah
1: that's awesome. It doesn't have to be. Like,
2: it's, it's funny
1: because it wasn't until, I would say, the last six months or so, uh, a friend and said to me, okay, you have to start reading some other things besides personal development. And I did because I was getting stale. So I did start to pull out some other ones and love them. Like, mm-hmm. them. yeah.
2: Do you have a favorite quote? Uh, yes, I, I love quotes. And two of my favorites that are coming to mind are both by Dr. Zeus. And Dr. Zeus, he said, why well, fit in when you're born to stand out? And the other one, he said, and I might get this one wrong because I haven't fully memorized it yet, but it's, you are you who is truer than true. There's no one alive who is you than you. I love that one. It's so fun. I just have this vision of like, I need to paint that on my
1: wall because I love that. And I love Dr. Seuss. Like I can't think of, um, what's his one book where it's, you. a lot of times they give it to people when they graduate. It's like when they're embarking on the world. All oh, the places you'll go. All the places you'll go. I love that book. Like, I absolutely love that book. It's just, I just, I don't know. It just makes you think and open up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, mentor. Do you have a mentor who's changed your life? It doesn't have to be somebody you know.
2: Yeah, I have a couple of uh, mentors, and I also have a couple of femtors. And, um, you know, mentors, example, yeah, I would call Dr. Zeus one because he has so many quirks and so many, um, really good just quotes and things like that. And then femtors would be my grandmothers, um, who both, both passed on, yet they were, you know, they were both war brides and World War II and and so on and so forth. And more recently, um, a fem tour of mine It's how I'm teaching how you and I actually connected is Marlo Ellis and how she's been helping me for the past year of living my real brave self and speaking and sharing story and growing my confidence and courage and all that good stuff hmm that's awesome I love Marlo I mean Marlo and
1: I go I like I remember speaking on her stage a year and a half ago and just love the mission that she's on and what she's doing and really helping women with their stories and bringing their stories to stage I and mean, it's beautiful
2: mm-hmm.
1: absolutely beautiful next question what drives you what is something that lights you up and drives you
2: oh I love when I can see ships in the people I support, um, the, oh, just so many things like I want to go and do. And what lights me up to is when I can get out by the river here in Calgary and just be able to be energized and, um, you know, creative ideas come and, uh, yeah, so many things. Yeah. It's nature's
1: amazing what it can do. Honestly, it's so therapeutic. Absolutely. therapeutic. What, what impact do you want to create? If you could just, and I mean, if you want to ask this after we can, but this is a question I'd like to cover. What impact do you want to
2: create? An impact or a legacy or something I want to be able to leave behind would be, I want to make sure that there's safe spaces for youth to show up and be themselves and be seen and celebrated and so that they can feel safe to be themselves. That's beautiful.
1: That's beautiful. And that really does tie into your story. And what you do. I mean, I love this whole Girls Empowerment Leader five times international bestseller, which is really nothing to do. that's, That's incredible. But tell us, so Girls Empowerment Leader, what does that mean? What do you do?
2: So what I do is I actually work with the adult leaders of youth and also um, just to let yourself and the listeners know, I have had a small shift in my business and yes, I still work with young girls, but I actually now as a youth diversity advisor, I help the adult leaders on how to create safe spaces, and it's for both boys and girls. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's a neat. It's a neat thing to consider because I have been asked before, like, "What about the boys? Can you work with them?" And I'm like, uh, at that point, I was no. However, things shifted um, within the this year or just 2019, and I, I was like, maybe I should focus on youth. And this is the age bracket, and and so on and so forth. See, I
1: love this because I love that you're saying boys too, right? I'm a mom of boys. And I have been, I mean, more often than not, there's there's not as much available for boys. And it's also not normalized. I really hate to say that. But it's that it's just not normalized in some ways. And I remember hearing um, Lewis House speak at Lori Harder's Bliss Project two years ago. And he was very clear in saying that we need to start to do more with the girls. The boys are getting left behind. Because we're doing so much with the girls, but the boys are getting left behind. Just curious what your thoughts were
2: on that. Yeah. and. And I agree. Like I am a girl and I identify as female, so yeah. yes, my my heart will be tending there. However, um, with the new realization of who I am at my core, I had a uh, a download that said, "What about you know kids that are, are that are boys or are transgender or or gay or you know that sort of a thing, and they also need." a Heck of a lot of support. Sure do. They sure do. Now, is that um, how how prevalent is
1: that in what you're dealing with? When you're seeing, are you seeing more kids being becoming um, forward as transgender? As I'm just curious, and that's not where I expect this conversation to go. But I just I haven't had anybody to ask. And when I think of the bullying that happens and the bullying that happens in schools, anyways. I'm just curious how that. I have a friend whose um, son, whose daughter is transge- transgender, and it's this, this such a unique thing because they are so bold in who they are and confident, and it doesn't. I don't even know. She said, "Nope." The mom said, "The bullying doesn't seem to like it can impact her. She's just that
2: mindset." So, just curious because this is a really prevalent topic right now. It is, and. I don't have the statistic in front of me, yet I do know that um, the rate of bullying happens a lot. The one stat I do know is actually every seven minutes, a child is bullied on the school ground. And so think of how many hours in a day a child is at school, right? Yeah. And as for kids who are part of the LGBT community, um, it's... I know the stat of kids who commit, who die by suicide. Yeah. The transgender community, their subsection is actually more than kids who are, you know, typical, like normal or cisgender, or the wording of that. And um, I just got to say, if you hear dogs or uh, birds, I am house sitting right now. you <laughs> <laughs> Here's a great example,
1: right? Sometimes you just have to do what you have. She is hosting. You will hear some birds and some dogs in the background. This is real life. Let's go. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah.
2: So it's just um yeah it's it's heartbreaking for me that so many kids feel they can't be themselves. I know, and it is getting better, and it is being more aware or more prevalent that kids are saying, you know what, this is who I am. And, um, so be it. And I feel very, I feel very proud of these young people who can say, this is who I am at their age.
1: I I am with you on that. I honestly, I find that like so empowering. I'm like, you go, that is incredible. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, I had a, maybe just to share, just, and I think this is a perspective thing. I, I don't expect we're going to change the world. It's not going to happen. But, you know, more people that we change with that perspective. And there was a point in time when, i, mean, I was not sure my kids were going to live. We were dealing with horrible substance abuse. And somebody, we were at a dinner, and somebody said how a family member of theirs, or her, her nephew, had come out of the closet, quote, and this person said, it was the best thing she's ever seen. She goes, Because he was so happy. They were also happy. And I so said, did the family take it well? she goes, the family was amazing because we've all known for a long time and he didn't he didn't feel comfortable saying all of a sudden this one person perks up at the table and she says, That's the worst thing in the whole world. And I was like, Interesting. Like <laughs> it was just like and I, my answer was interesting. I can think of a bazillion things that are far worse than that. Like I really, really can. But it's a perspective thing for some people. Is that that a fair statement to say? I don't know if that's fair to say, but.
2: Yes, because different generations, you know, my parents, part of my story is I only really came out as bisexual last year to my parents Mm -hmm. in 2019. Um, And it was a struggle and it was a real challenge that I was having of coming forward and saying, Hey mom, this is, and dad, this is who I am at my core. Because I am, well, at that point, I was 42. And, you know, I've dated boys and I like boys and, you know, even dated a boy who was abusive. Like, so for me to share that really this is who I am at my core, that I'm attracted to both men and women, mm-hmm. it, um, it was a big thing to overcome and to share it. And I do know I've seen it through Facebook. I think it was more out around Remembrance Day that it was black and white images about people who are part of the LGBT community that, you know, it's been around in World War II days or World War, or even World War I days, yet you didn't see it because it was seen as taboo. Mm-hmm. And there were these images of, you know, two sailors kissing or two, or two men sailors or two nurses, you know, embracing and, and things like that. So it's, it's interesting how generationally it's been evolving. Yes, yeah.
1: And I mean, let's just, let's just say that and hope that like, that's the direction that it is evolving. It is evolving more and more because I know that like this was somebody in my generation who said that, and I I was just absolutely floored. And as we were there, a friend of mine said, she said, you have to realize she has not had any, any adversity in her life at this point. And that's just how her perspective is. So it is just a funny thing how we all look at things differently so you come through this journey, you, you come out through your parents and publicly last year, and you are working with the adult leaders of, of youth. I just think that that gives you such a diverse um, perspective. Is that a perspective to be able to work with them? So what does that look like when you're working with them? Like how does that you are helping them to lead the students?
2: Yes. So I am helping the adult leaders on how to create the safe space so the kids can feel that they belong, that they matter. Um, And the reason why I am angling what I do this way, Marsha, is because, you know, when I was 13, I was being severely teased and bullied to the point where in grade seven, I was attacked in the girl's locker room being wrapped by my bra strap. And I was flung around the room in the locker room and went flying into the the locker or the, the cubby area. And, you know, I didn't know who did it. So I couldn't say anything because I was afraid that the bullying would get worse. Right. It had started when I was in grade three and went all the way up to grade eight. And, you know, I was called names like stupid ugly, retarded, dumb and a loser daily and more names and my safe space outside the home was not school my safe space was actually being in pathfinders or girl guides nice and when i yeah and when i came into my pathfinder meeting our leader tracy she looked at you know and said hello to everyone and made all of us feel included and safe And you know, you're not bullied here, Amy. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to, you shouldn't say those words to me, but that was the feeling I got that, you know, you're not alone. You're safe here. You're going to be okay. Um, And, you know, with her help, I started actually to believe in myself a bit more. And I started volunteering at a young age of 13, a brownie unit. And brownies back in those days were seven, six, seven, eight years old. Yes. Uh, Sparks, if you know of the Girl Guide Sparks? movement, Sparks yes, was. So. Sparks, like, yes. I volunteered with Sparks. I love those kids. Yeah, yeah. That's Sparks so wasn't invented. Yeah, Sparks wasn't invented at that point. Um, yeah. So, Brian's were six, seven, eight, and um, and that's just. And so, I was helping with their unit, and then just because of that. Safety. I felt so that I could be myself, mm-hmm. and that knowing of what it's like to feel safe and included in a group situation, I want that for today's youth. So I want to help the leaders of, of groups, to create those safe spaces so they kids so the kids can be brave and to be vulnerable. And um, another book that I'm in the process of reading is uh, by Brene Brown, Dare to Lead. Oh yeah, yeah. and she yeah. has a, an amazing quote that I like highlighted and like I've been using it. And what she says is we need you, us, we as the adult leaders of youth, she was actually more speaking to teachers. So teachers need to. It's their mission to create these safe spaces so the kids can take off that armor that they wear and just be kids, be it for an hour a day, two, two hours a day, or, you know, a full day of school Right. and for the kids to feel safe. And that's Mm -hmm. that little quote right there is the reason why I'm so passionate about doing what I'm doing. I,
1: I just, and I love it because I've, I really have, I mean, I've done 110 interviews and i've interviewed a lot of people who have stories who do something with their most people are doing something with their story like everything you've experienced honestly shaped you to be doing the impact that you are now now you've decided to which is like you don't have to but you have decided to but you're the first person I've got to speak to who has dealt with teens or kids and I love this because this is obviously close to heart for me about about that age bracket and I didn't go through the bullying that I had other issues that happened but I didn't go through the bullying to that degree which is horrific I'm so sorry um but I had way more friends that were boys because the girls were nasty sorry I mean there's a and if any of you happen to be listening from my grade school days it was nasty it was a nasty environment and very much a who's who and who fits in and who does not and um I just routinely was not in I didn't have my parents didn't have a lot of money we didn't have a lot of stuff we lived on a farm it wasn't like I remember asking my my mom once for something brand name. She's like, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. And we just didn't have it. And that's what was considered to be normal. Now, am I grateful for that? For sure. Like, I'm totally grateful because I didn't have a group. I just, you have to create it then. But my point is, I'm just so happy to have you here because I love that you're doing something to a help impact the teens, I think is great. So how many leaders are you working with? And how does this, what does it look like? Do you run workshops with them? Do you run? So
2: what really gets me lit up and what I love doing is actually the one-on-one coaching nice. with, say, a girl guide leader or a hockey coach or um, a 4-H or a youth coach pastor who who realizes that they need more resources that they need more tools and they want support and that's what lights me up is working one-on-one with these adult leaders and then watching watching them implement what we've been talking about with their youth that's what really lights me up the other two other things that I can do is say, for example, any of the listeners listening, um, are are a yoga leader or a, what's the word, in charge of an organization that works with you Mm -hmm. of some sort. And you're having like a team building day or a day where you bring speakers in to work with the adult leaders. I come in and I do like an actual like an hour workshop or two hour workshop with that group of leaders on topics like, you know, let's talk about being brave, let's talk about vulnerability, let's, you know, discuss why inclusion and diversity are so important in today's world. The third thing I do, Marsha, that also lights me up is the times where I get invited to example, um, a Girl Guide unit. And do hands-on with the kids. Those are the three ways. Although, as I said off the top, the one that really lights me up is when I get to work that Mm one-on-one with the adult leader and see that shift that he or she makes.
1: That's awesome. And all of those adult leaders, like really let's call that out. Like they're volunteering. They're giving their time. They are. And for them to be doing this extra, like learning on top of it to realize that they can make a difference is beautiful because that's like, that's all extra time. They're doing that themselves because they want to give back and help with those kids. And I know, um, like, the Girl Guides, the Pathfinders, things along that. It was a really. I don't know. I don't know how it exists now in proportion to when we we're younger, but I do know it was such a such a powerful thing because it was a chance to just be around other girls. A but in a very safe environment. So I. So when you say safe space, I would love for you to say what does
2: safe space mean. So safe space, for my interpretation, my definition, is a place where. Youth feel seen, mm-hmm. feel supported, feel celebrated, um, feel safe enough that they can, you know, say to their leader, their their coach, their pathfinder, you know, whatever leader, that hey, I'm not doing so hot, or you know, I think I might be gay or lesbian, or it could be even more severe that. Hey, I've actually cut myself Mm -hmm. and I'm cutting and that's a part being vulnerable and being brave and they're feeling comfortable and safe enough to talk to the adult leader about those things and how the adult leader unintentionally draws that out is by themselves being vulnerable and being brave and saying yeah like yes the adult leader can see i'm not doing so hot today they need to know their boundaries Mm -hmm. and what to say and what not to say Mm -hmm. um because i know my leader tracy i guarantee she had days where she was you know not feeling so great but she showed up anyways for us See, and that's really, that's really powerful. You said there
1: is the fact that creating the environment for the kids to come forward, but also teaching the teachers, the instructors, like what vulnerability means and like, they have to be open with the kids so that the kids feel like they can be, but it's a fine line, isn't it? Like I I get asked this and I write about vulnerability and boundaries all the time. And there's a lot of misconstrued thoughts about what vulnerability is in my, just in my own opinion. And how, like, vulnerability is really 100% about us. It is all about us and how we, like, how we are feeling, how we handle the situation. I get all the time that people say, well, I'm vulnerable, and they start telling this story, but the story is all about everyone else. And I'm like, that's not vulnerability. Like, that's gossip vulnerability is like about us being real about us and what we need and like really showing the covers like revealing the covers and let ourselves be seen and when I say that some people are like oh I can't do that I'm like well that's where vulnerability is so you can't it's a totally you so what are your thoughts on that with like do you have a difficult time with some leaders addressing that
2: yes no Some leaders are like, well, how do I, how do I say it? What do I do? And so we, we can talk about that and discuss that. And um, what's coming to me right now is actually, it's an author that years and years ago that Oprah interviewed, and I really don't remember her name. Yet the quote she said, and it stuck with me is, do your eyes let, do your eyes light up when the child enters the room? Hmm. The child or the youth, in, in this case, the, what, what I do, you know, the youth want to be, you know, are you happy that you're seeing them? Are you happy that they've entered the room to come to see you? Or are you as the adult going, hey, your hair's not brushed or your shirt's untacked or that sort of a thing? So do your eyes light up when the child enters the room? so you are allowing that child to be seen and i just,
1: yes. I just absolutely like okay, I goosebumps when you said that because you think of how many times the first thing you do is you look for what's wrong you look for a correction to give them you look for something to that not i mean just subconsciously i'm saying that's what a lot of us do and it's it's instead is lighting up being happy to see them
2: yes hmm yes.
1: See, and this is if, I mean, anybody who listens to this podcast anyways already knows that like a lot of Brené Brown, like Brené Brown has been my thing. But it's a more like what she says really is very simple is that everybody wants to belong. Like it really is a case of we just want to belong. It's not that we have to belong everywhere, but we need to know that we fit in somewhere. Totally. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that helping kids with that in in that process what, regardless of where they are what their thoughts are what they is, is amazing it's great because and i think it's so, so important when you look at um you mentioned it very quickly earlier but when you look at suicide rates you look at like where the numbers are i have so it's february there's been three people fairly close to me that i um have lost somebody to suicide in the last less than three months And it's just been like, wow. wow. And one of them was an absolute stunning surprise. was like, what the heck happened with that? So the ripple effect and impact that it leaves with the families, what happens. So I I see this as very, very important work. And is that something that you also cover with them is how do you handle trauma? Or how do you handle difficulty when, if these things happen?
2: We discuss it. Um, We talk about it. I give ideas and suggestions and support um, on how to and it's all about having those conversations there's actually okay there's a a something i teach when i work with both kids and adults actually and it comes in the form with communication and respectful communication and conflict resolution actually and it's the word salt s-a-l-t and each letter stands for something. So the S stands for stop. Stop what you're doing, stop moving, stop shuffling paper, you know, just stop. Mm-hmm. S-A-A is ask. So ask a question. So for example, when I've worked with um, kids, say for example, someone says your shirt's ugly. You stop and you ask the question, well, why do you think my shirt is ugly? Hmm and then yeah it's simple l stands for listen so you listen to the answer and then t stands for talk so you talk it out you have a conversation and if you have to keep repeating s-a-l-t the whole way through then you do Mm -hmm. and it's just way to communicate and to have the conversation and yes in the topic of suicide and mental health those type of situations, there is specific training that people can go and do on that with the Canadian Mental Health Association here in Canada and the equivalent in the United States. Um, I've actually done the adult version and the child version of the suicide awareness course mm-hmm. and also a mental health for state course. So next course. I did hear this just recently. I did hear of this. Okay. Yeah, it's there are really neat things to do and and courses to take. So with that knowledge, I can pass on what I know to be true. I'm I'm not a trainer with that at all. Yet I, you know, I can offer my two cents. I can talk about my own mental health um, that I live with. Like PTSD, and high-functioning anxiety, anxiety yeah. and how those play out, and, and things like that, so I hope that helps, and I hope we just answered that question, because I <laughs> didn't know you went off, on that. It does help, honestly, it's
1: all good. It does help, because I wanted to ask that, because I think that that is, that is part of it, and I, here's the thing, I don't even... I'm hopefully say this right. I don't even know that, like, do you actually have to have all of the training to be able to handle the situation? And no, I see it more as like, if you can listen for warning signs and listen for things... Now, some people will only show you what they want to see, so you might not get warning signs. But but if you are trained that in the sense that wait, that's not this is not right. The like, you know, these words aren't right. The behavior's not right. What can we do about it? Now that's another story. I know that there's still a ton of work to do mental health wise. Unfortunately, I've lived in part of it. But it's, it's wonderful that you're having these conversations. I just think it's fantastic because this is the more adults who are in touch with teens in these situations
2: to have these conversations, the better chance it is for everyone. For sure. I, um, I agree. There's a commercial that they've played here in Alberta, I'm pretty sure across the province, and it's from the Alberta Teachers Association, and it's kids different snapshots of children coming to like the camera and saying with different looks in their eyes. And one, I think you was even on the verge of tears and saying to what would be the camera or the teacher, can we talk? And the response is absolutely. And that's that's
1: your whole stop asking like that's like that is. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. I love how simple that is. I do. Right. So one of the things that you talk about is like really breaking down the walls to live your brave self. Mm-hmm, for what sure. Does that, what does that What does that mean to you? Like I I love it, but what does it mean to you?
2: It means. So thinking of the stories I've shared with you and your listeners today, um, it has to, a lot of it has to do with putting yourself first. Mm-hmm. Asking for help and really speaking your truth. Now another story that entitled uh, combines all those three is actually back in two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. Get the number right. Yeah, two thousand fourteen. I got a phone call from you know my dad, and he's like, "Amy, grandma's house has sold. Have you gone to see?" Um, a broker or the bank or something about a pre-approved mortgage. And I had to respond. I had to make a choice in that moment. Do I tell a lie or do I tell the truth? Mm-hmm. And I actually told the lie. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, well, yeah, I went, but, you know, they I wasn't approved. In reality, I hadn't gone mm-hmm. because I knew that the banks would say no. Okay. And my dad, dad was like, "Okay, Amy, why? Like, what? Why would the banks have issues?" And I, again, I had to take a breath, and I'm like, "Do I tell the truth, or just do I tell a lie?" And this time, I told the truth, and I said, "Dad, I'm thirty thousand dollars in debt, mm-hmm. in credit card debt," and he said to me, "He's like, you know, love. He's like, you got yourself into this mess. Get yourself out." So I went through the um, here in Calgary, in Alberta, we have something called the Credit Counseling Society of Alberta. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's different versions of it across the country. Mm-hmm. And um, went there and talked to them, and and we worked out a plan. And four and a half years later, 2019 January, um, everything's all good now. It's all been paid off. Yes. And yeah, and within those that time period, though putting myself first, speaking my truth and asking for help really, really came into play and boundaries. I had to say, you know, had to say no to a lot of different things that I wanted to go or do or experience. And it got one of my lowest moments, uh, in that time period was in 2018. I was really close to finishing, yet I found myself came home from, from a women's business conference in Dallas, Texas. I paid, got my money paid for rent, like to my parents for mortgage and, you know, bills and stuff. But then I looked at my cupboard and I said, I have no food and I don't get paid for a week. So what, what do I do? And I remember picking up the phone and in tears to my, my family and my mom and my dad, I'm like, what do I do? And mom's like, Amy, go to the food bank. And I was like, like, I was like, what? I, I have a full-time job. I have benefits. Like, I. I, I don't think I'm going to qualify for the, the Calgary Food Bank. Um, they're like, Everywhere. you never know. Yeah. You never know unless you, you you phone them. Yeah. So please, please phone. And I did. And, you know, I qualified for the Calgary Food Bank, which again is a different kettle of fish, different story for a whole other different time. Um, yet I had to put myself first. And when I went there, I saw people of all different ages and all different, you know, backgrounds and ethnicities and, and so on. There was like a fam, yeah, there was a family in front of me that had a mom, looked like a mom and a dad and a couple of young kids. And behind me, there, a couple of people behind me, there was like, I want to say uni- older university age, single man there as well. And as I was following, cause they put um, milk crates of food and they put your back, like your thing together that you're going to take. And they kept, I have seen that's, that's too much food. That's, that's too much food for me. And they're like, no, this is, this is for you. Please take it. And I almost started crying. I'm like, I, it's just me, just me by myself. And they're like, yeah, we know here, this is for you. Please take it. So it was a pretty humbling and emotional experience Mm -hmm. to, to ask for help and be put myself first and, and go and receive. I was just gonna say that word. I think it's really, really important. I just love how you have
1: tied those three points together for bravery, like in so many parts of your story, right? So many parts of your story. So asking for help, right? Speaking your truth and like putting yourself first. So asking for help, God, that's hard. Like I've done it. It's so hard. We make it hard. And the thing is, is there are people out there who are willing to help you. And it might even be like sometimes people you don't even know that you just they that just show up and the food bank they just are there and available but you have to be willing to receive the help which means that pride has to go there are times that there's just no room for it and if you're going to ask if you're going to ask for help and you're going to receive like and you're going to put yourself in that position then you have to be willing to receive for sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) totally you know what and that is something that you can pay for i don't say this as a plug at all because i've been i have been in your situation there have been a couple times where i was like i don't know where we're going to get this from when life really threw us some challenging times and it was just a very, very, so to that, to that, I mean, I go to our Sobeys here has like a $5 food bag. Every time I get groceries, I buy, I don't care if I'm spending $10. I just get it because I was thinking about it's $5, it's $5. It's $5. I mean, it's not perfect, but it adds up because it's such a small, consistent contribution because it's always a reminder that we can all be in, in different shoes. And about probably eight or nine years ago, I volunteered at a women's food bay, no, women's shelter in Toronto. And I don't think I've ever had a more humbling experience than that. It still sits with me to this day in the families that we saw there and what we saw. And the, the director of the program, I, it, again, his her words have always sat in my head and her words were very simple in this shelter is a mix of women who are their graduates some have master's degrees some have like they have they had great jobs and they were like you literally are one decision away sometimes from being on that end of the receiving you don't know where you're going to be so i always think of that because there's no judgment whatsoever but we i mean you take one or two different decisions and all of a sudden you're like how did we get here? Like, how did this happen? And what happened to get here? And I think it's just really powerful to know that none of us are, we're not immune to things going wrong. And sometimes it can be like, really like the whole bottom comes out and it's like, okay, so we're starting over again. What do we do? So that's coming through that experience. Then did you find, how did you transition from that moment? I think you said January, 2018, And then moving forward or when when you were at the food bank, was that such a pivotal point for you?
2: Yeah, it was. It was August, 2018 when that was. Um, And it was the okay, I can receive, I can, Mm -hmm. like it's okay to ask. Um, And it's something, you know, I, I teach is ask for help and, I, to me to really fully turn around one hundred and eighty degrees and really go, "I have no food in my house mm-hmm. and be that vulnerable and that open to say, "Look, i I need help. yeah, and and so on. And you know I am single and I live by myself, so I don't have that second income. of of having a partner and you know life is life and sometimes it throws you some curveballs and I'm very grateful um in a weird way for those curveballs all through my life and um also the fact that here in my city and I'm guessing around the world where your listeners are there are resources you just have to tend to them and
1: and ask. You have to ask. It's not like ask and receive, ask and receive over and over. You have to be willing to ask. And it's a tough one. This is a really, this is a really tough one. But what I love is that, I mean, I'm so grateful and thankful that you're sharing it the way that you are. And I think it's beautiful to see that you are then turning that into what you're doing with the youth leaders. I think it's beautiful. Is powerful, and it's a case of you know you've taken your circumstances and said this is what I want to create. This is how the impact that I want to leave, the legacy legacy that I want to leave. And I just I'm, I'm thankful. Thank you for for sharing that with us because I think it's really powerful that we you know we actually do something with our stories. That's really what I, my whole purpose and everything is, is that we can we can take what's happened to us and do something
2: with it. Yes for sure i forget who said it first because i've heard it a few times from different people is taking your mess and turning it into a message yeah or a cause or a something yes
1: it's just like i yeah learning how to stand on your story learning how to build that platform it's not it doesn't define you it makes you who you are but it doesn't define you it's two totally different things wow very true so, how do people connect? Where do they find you? Where are the best places to connect and follow you?
2: For sure, the best place if you want to check out more of what I do is through the website, and it's www.inchbyinchempowerment.com. com. Mm-hmm. I also, yeah, I also have a, a Facebook group tribe mm-hmm. for inch by ancient empowerment leaders. And that's open, open, open Facebook group to anyone who works with you, that wants some support that want to, you know, get some inspiration and and meet others from all over the world, really, because it's Facebook, and, uh, and connect and and so on. I also play on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I need to write it down because I can never remember correctly. I believe my inch, my, my uh, Instagram handle is inch by inch empowerment. Mhm. I will make and, sure uh, that yeah for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should have written it down. Um, and also through Facebook as well. Just inch by inch empowerment is my fa- fan page, like business page. Yes. And uh yeah, I post in there different Facebook lives or videos. Today, I it's been posting different music videos because I'm doing a bit of uh, work on some writing and things. And, you know, I posted the song by Beyonce, um, I Was Here. Mm-hmm. So it's uplifting. It's uh, powerful um, songs or things that, yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: That's beautiful. Um, I have to ask you, inch by inch, where'd that come from?
2: We haven't even gotten to that story, Marsha. Oh my gosh. So inch by inch empowerment and so the bit inch by inch, Mm -hmm. right right there, is because of what I like to say is inch by inch and step by step, dreams and goals can come true. Mm -hmm. Underneath that, though, is the actual story. And the story is when I was born in 1976. I was born at 26 weeks gestation. I was one. Yeah, I was one pound, 12 ounces and given 24 hours to live. So I had to grow inch by inch and, you know, pound by pound or milligram by, you know, half pound by half pound even to grow big enough to go home.
1: Wow. 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 I'm glad that that came up in the story because that's just, that's when I think of that, like it's, it, I mean, you literally had to show growth inch by inch each Day. And to be yes. told as a parent that you have less than 24 hours with your child, like, I don't even know what that would feel like. That's amazing. That's just, I can't imagine how, how heavy that would be.
2: Yeah. And to share a, a couple of statistics, if people, your listeners, like statistics, back in 1976, mm-hmm. babies who were born at 26 weeks gestation, just like I was, we were given the zero to 25% chance of survival. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to now, 2020, and children, babies born at the 26-week gestation mark, they're now given like 75 85% chance of survival. Yeah.
1: It's amazing the changes and things that have happened, right? It said my niece was, uh, she's 24 now. So when she, when she was born, she was not given. Like it was like, it was, I think, I think she might've been 30 or 28 weeks. And I remember spending time with her in the NICU and watching other families going through loss. And it was like, oh, this is just so heavy, not knowing if she would make it or not. And you look at her now and it's like, I can't even imagine that that's what, but, but everything has changed so much from like 70s to now, as far as, yeah. you know, that's amazing. Oh, I love yeah. that. thank you so much for sharing that
2: you're welcome
1: yeah i love that um it's it's an again you're another example of how everything that we everything that we live through and everything that we go through shapes us to who we are we may not like all of those lessons and a lot of times we don't like them at the time at all but you've chosen to do something with them and i think that that's really powerful
2: yeah totally thank you yeah
1: um I would love to ask you one more question that is oh. is kind of my wrap-up question what lesson in life are you most grateful for
2: lesson in life I'm most grateful for that's a good question <laughs> it's yeah. very for, for me it's multi-level like it's multifaceted. Like like uh, uh, there's no I have to, yeah I know I think for me it's just all the things that I've experienced and that I have chosen to rise above it, that I've chosen to make it my, my message, my, my drive that gets me up every morning is I want these safe spaces for the youth mm-hmm. to be themselves and to feel safe and secure and, you know, <laughs> other topic that we didn't get on today was about you know violence and dating violence and so that young kids can learn what healthy relationships are and are not and and so on and so forth that's a that's another whole topic but if they Mm don't have the if if
1: they don't have the model to follow of a of a safe like some kids don't so they don't know what is as normal like violence, relationships, and kids. So I think that the fact that you're even covering things like that with the youth, in I think it's I think it's fantastic. Because again, we don't we, we I say we. There's this. I grew up in the '70s too. Okay, so let's just say I'm this. We don't talk about stuff like we didn't. We didn't talk about anything. Nothing was talked about. It was just. Yep, yeah, that's how it is move on move it on move on just suck it up and keep moving on i'm like okay so that's what we knew but there's a lot of things that were never talked about like we just didn't we did not talk about it and i think back to um when i was in Oh, this is going to be interesting to be aired now that i say this When i are you going to make me say it may, no you're not making me i just it came to mind when i was in grade school i remember that we had a gym teacher and and he would come into the girls change room And while we were showering, while we were changing, I remember telling my parents over and over, going, I don't think this is right. Like, it doesn't, but everybody, even then, they were like, Oh, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. He doesn't meet. Can you imagine now? Like, he'd walk and sit down while we were changing. And guess who was charged like 10 years later? My mom was like, Hey, did she hear it? I'm like, Abby, I told you. Like, Wow. I told you. Like, it's like, it's, but it's, it was not in the seventies then. A lot of these things were just like, you just move it on, move it along. It's not a big deal. It wasn't talked about the same way. And I think that's so different than now because that would have never happened. The first time you went the change room, it would have been brought up and somebody would have done something It would have happened. Yeah. So we do have that aspect of it where it's definitely like, you know, talked about more, but there's still so much more work to do.
2: For sure. I agree. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I just thank you so much for what you're doing, for sharing so much of yourself and vulnerability and being vulnerable in this podcast, which you know I absolutely love because that's how people can relate to us. And that's how they can understand that they can look at it and go, she went through this and look at where she is now. It's just really powerful for people to see it. So, I thank you so much for being real and honest
2: with us today. Thank you, Marsha, for having me on. It's been a wonderful, wonderful chat. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you.